We're looking forward to Aaron speaking this morning. We're continuing the season that we've got on prayer. And uh, let's just welcome Aaron up now, if you're ready, Aaron. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your patience this morning as we got through a number of important items there, which is wonderful. It's really good to see you, and if you're visiting us, if this is your first time today, a very big warm welcome to you. And um, yeah, maybe if I could have the stopwatch on, I think it's usually a countdown timer, and I usually hit zero on in, so if we could go up the way, then I'll know <laughs> how long I've taken. It's... Um, Beautiful snowy weather, what a beautiful country, a beautiful land. I'm, I'm from Salon and we've got lots of snow and yesterday morning I thought I would uh, take the four girls and, and go sledging and it was going to be a, a, a dream time, a, a joyful time, a pleasant time and I think I forgot it wasn't a fourth musketeer trek, I was taking them on, it was just a few little children sledging, I had them, you know, pounding up b these big hills and walking, and they're like, Daddy, would you slow down? I'm like, come on, come on, we've only got an hour, I've got a party to get, and their wee legs, <laughs> and uh, we had about a few minutes of fun, and then again, um, forgetting it's, it's a four-year-old, I'm going to come on, Heidi, jump on the back of the sledge with Daddy, we're going down this big hill, and it was all great until we hit the bunker, and the bunker's just like, you don't see it, it's just this big drop, so you're, you're going in and drop, and you just come to immediate halt, and poor Heidi's face on my back just went splat, and uh, there's blood on the snow and screaming, and we're about a 15-minute walk still to go from the car, and this beautiful, glorious moment of fun with the family turns into, come on, let's get back to the car, and little Judy's legs are tired, and wow, I was stressed to the max, and uh, so glad to be back to the car, you know, and it was like, okay, okay, next time we go a little bit easier, we'll find a, a small hill, okay, not the mountains of Scotland, <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was a really good time. So we're on 40 days of breakthrough, and we're talking about prayer, and little Jimmy was laying on a hill in the middle of a meadow on a warm spring day. And puffy white clouds rolled by and he was observing and pondering the shape of the clouds. And soon he began to think about God. And he said, God, are you really there? Jimmy said out loud. And to his astonishment, a voice actually came from the clouds. Yes, Jimmy, what can I do for you? Well, seizing the opportunity, Jimmy asked God, what is a million years like to you? And knowing that Jimmy could not understand the concept of infinity, God responded to Jimmy in a manner which he could understand. And he said, a million years to me, Jimmy, is like a minute. Oh, said Jimmy. Well then, what is a million pounds like to you? Well, a million pounds to me, Jimmy, is just like a penny. Wow, remarked Jimmy, getting an idea. You're so generous. Can I have one of your pennies? God replied, sure thing, Jimmy. Just a minute. Now, our passage for today is Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 10, which says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. I love the simplicity of this, okay? We need to keep the Bible simple. It's meant to be. It's not meant to be complicated. It's not meant to be for theology students. It's meant to be for every one of us, okay? I love the simplicity. 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Now, one difficulty that can prevent us from praying is a sense of shame or worthlessness or guilt. These can hinder us from coming to God because reality is that we often fail, don't we? I found that in the sledging trip yesterday. We often fail, whether it's in our thoughts, our attitude, our speech, our relationships, our poor decisions, whatever it is. And so, when our need comes into our life, deep down we feel, I can't go to God. I can't approach God and ask Him for something because I'm unworthy. I don't deserve for God to hear me. I don't deserve God to listen to me. I don't deserve. He's surely not okay with me. And we reason in our minds, how could such a loser as me move the mighty arm that moves the world? So this fear hinders our prayer, and it hinders and prevents us from coming to God. But Jesus' words are so simple and are so sweet. And I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Who is the one that is telling us these words? It is none other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who became human flesh, God in human flesh, who entered into humanity, who experienced the weakness of having a human body and experienced the struggle of having uh, life on this earth when surrounded by pain and difficulty and hardship. He became like us. He became one like you. And he is able to sympathize with our weakness. He has sympathy with your struggles. Isn't that good? That's the one that we come to. He has sympathy with your struggles, your weakness, and yet he still urges us to pray. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. God knows you've got weaknesses, it's okay. It's not one who is angry about your weaknesses, but he has sympathy, okay? Isn't that great? He is able to sympathize. He's got sympathy for your weakness. You've got weakness. You know it. So you don't need to hide it. We don't need to pretend. We don't need to pretend we're all sorted. Because I certainly ain't. And I know that you ain't either. No matter how much of a shell that we give, that we try to display, to, to, to present to others. Especially on social media. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you're in a time of need, ever come to a time of need, God wants to help you. He does. And in the world, there's many people with struggles and, and helps and needs, and God wants you and he wants the world to draw near because he wants to help. 
He really wants to help you. So we come to Jesus. He understands our weakness, and therefore we can come boldly and should come boldly or with confidence to his throne of grace. It's interesting it talks about coming to a throne. Why a throne? Because we know a throne is a special chair that is used by a ruler, a king, or a queen. And we're told to come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, grace is this beautiful thing. It's one thing that sets Christianity apart from the other religions of the world. It's receiving that which is not deserved. It's receiving something for free. It's receiving the opposite of what we deserve. Now, in the Old Testament, I might lose one or two of you just for a few minutes, but don't worry, you'll, you'll get it back, okay? But in the Old Testament, God's throne was called the mercy seat. And it was believed that God sat there in glory and ruled the nation. And the mercy seat had a cherub or an angel at each side, which sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, some of you maybe never heard of the Ark of the Covenant, and that's okay. I'm, I'm going to put a video clip on in a minute, and I'll get you back, all right? But for, uh, for, for some of you who have heard of something called the Ark of the Covenant, you can read about that in Exodus 25, 17 to 22. 25, 17 to 22. Ark simply means a chest, a box, or a coffin. Okay, so it was the Ark, simply a chest or box of the covenant. It was called the covenant because within it, it contained the Ten Commandments on the stone. So it's the Ark of the Covenant because it's the box referring to the agreement that God made with his children. So the Ark of the Covenant is simply a box covered with gold, had the Ten Commandments inside. Now here's, here's the thing on your sheets. If you've not got a worksheet, there's some lying about on seats and stuff. So if you don't have one, put your hand up and maybe someone can, can uh, look for the hands. But it says it was central to the symbol it was the central symbol of God's presence. The central symbol of God's presence, that's a blank on your sheet. God's presence to guide and to lead into battle. Now, I'm going to hopefully bring you back now. Why did I go on about the Ark of the Covenant? Because we were talking about boldly come to the throne of grace. Throne reminds us of a place where uh, someone of royalty sits. The Ark of the Covenant had the mercy seat, was the seat, it was symbolic of the seat or the throne of God's presence. And it was a central symbol of his presence to guide and to lead into battle. So we've got a connection between a throne, God's presence, God's guidance, and victory in battle. So when we come boldly to the throne of grace, we're coming boldly to his presence. We're coming boldly to a place of guidance. We're coming boldly to the place where victory in battle begins and is found. Now, the mercy seat in the Old Testament was not a throne of grace. That came through Jesus Christ. John 1.17, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus is such a revolutionary, because he did not only come with truth, but he come with grace, kindness, mercy, compassion, forgiveness, what he freely wants to give to those who draw near and come and receive. 
This is massive, folks. It's absolutely massive grace. We come to a throne of grace. Whole books have been written about grace. One of my favorite, what's so amazing about grace by Philip Yancey. Oh my goodness, grace. We could preach for a whole year on grace. But uh, we're going to move on. Because of the death of Jesus on the cross, we can actually come boldly to the throne of grace. We can approach God's presence to receive help and grace and mercy for all of our needs. And we should come and can come without fear. And that's important because even though we're imperfect, we fail, we mess up, we screw up, we make a mess, we disappoint ourselves, we let ourselves down, we get disgusted with even ourselves and our own behavior and our own actions. And you think, my goodness, I'm a Christian this long and I can still be so immature and I can still be so childlike and I can still be so childish. Even though all of that, despite of all of that, despite the fact that we don't feel worthy, we can come to Jesus because we're coming to a throne of grace. We don't come to a throne of judgment. We don't come to a throne of punishment. We're coming to a throne of grace. And this is absolutely essential that you understand it in prayer because if you're thinking you come to a throne of judgment, you won't go to God in prayer because you're not deserving. But when you understand you come to a throne of grace, he wants to bless you because you're not deserving. Not because you're deserving, but because of his great love. Um, and it's only when you come to prayer, because if you only come to God in prayer when you feel worthy, how often do you feel worthy? Not very often. So you're not going to come to God very often. You're not going to pray to God very often. If you only come to prayer when you think you're worthy to be blessed or heard or answered, we're going to very uh, seldom come to him in prayer. So we mustn't think it's like a bargaining. I mustn't think that you deserve the answers to your prayer and then you're going to get it. You mustn't think only when you're good enough, oh, I'll wait till next week because I'm having a bad day today. So God's not really going to listen to me. I better come back next week. And you come back next week and you think, well, I'm more deserving now. I've actually had a decent day. I've been all right with my temper. I'm going to, going to speak to God now because he's, he's not angry with me right now. If that's how you act, if that's how you think, you're thinking of a God of judgment, not a God of grace. You, you've not fully understood the full gospel of Jesus Christ, which he has made you perfectly right with God by faith alone. Not by your works, not by your efforts, not by your goodness, but by Jesus' goodness. He earned it all for us on the cross. He lived a perfect life and so that you could be made right with God. And you come to God on the basis of what Jesus accomplished on that cross uh, based on what he accomplished by living a perfect life of obedience a perfect life of surrender and sacrifice, and all that is given to you by faith. So your relationship with God is based on how Jesus lived, not how you lived. That's a basic, very basic understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's why we should come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. He is, it's a throne of grace because he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Okay. Jesus took the punishment, he paid the price for our weakness and for our shortcomings. And that's why we can come to the throne of grace and boldly. That's why you can ask and receive. That's why you can seek and you can find. That's why you can knock and the door will be opened because of the confidence in how Jesus lived on your behalf. 
for the death that he paid on our behalf. And that's why we have boldness and confidence to come to the throne of, of grace, not self-confidence, but confidence in Jesus Christ. Because if you feel that you have to be good enough to pray or worthy enough or deserving enough, you're very rarely going to pray and you will not come with boldness, but you'll come cowering and timid and afraid and not expect anything from God. So, but well, it's important when we come that to God that we speak simply and sincerely, that means without pretending. We said last week that God doesn't need your speech to be like Shakespeare. It can be in plain Scottish. It can be in plain Nigerian. It can be in plain Welsh, whatever. It can be in your own lingo. God understands your language. You don't have a set formula how you need to pray. Now, here's a film clip from the film Mr. Deeds. And in this film, Longfellow Deeds, who's played by Adam Sandler, a brilliant movie, completely childish, and I just love it. It's, it's probably appeals to my childishness, okay? The humor is very childish, but it's great. He attends the funeral of his great multi-billion uncle, multi-billionaire uncle, Preston Blake. Longfellow, he's a simple guy. He runs a simple pizzeria. He writes greeting cards, and he keeps communication simple. simple. It's simple and as sincere as his communication, and that's how God likes it, and that's how he likes our prayer. So let's watch this clip, and we're going to come back. Thank you. Now, Brother Preston is soaring with eagles high above because he lived a life of love. Yes, he's flying way up high because he was a super cool guy. He's gone away too soon, it seems, leaving behind his unfinished dreams. This guy can make a fortune writing greeting cards. Yes, we remember Preston Blake, a man with faith no man could shake, a strength no man could break, a character no man could fake. For goodness sake, let's eat some cake. Amen. Excuse me, remember? That was a grand slam. I mean, the part with touring with the Eagles gave me goosebumps. Oh, thank you, my brother. My friend got me a mug for my birthday. It says it's hard to soar with the Eagles when you're surrounded by turkeys. But what you said was better. It's all good. Rest in peace, Preston. That concludes today's service. Oh, uh-uh. I actually, I, I thought I would say something. Deedsy was always the best speaker in school. Deedsy? Awesome job, by the way, Your Majesty. I thought we were watching Scooby-Doo. Hi, my name is Deeds. I was Preston Blake's great nephew. I wrote a poem for him on my way over here in my head, and um, I'm going to recite it for you. I didn't realize I'd be following the rhyme master, Reverend Sharpton. But here we go anyways. You climbed mountains and built skyscrapers. You made TV shows and put out newspapers. You were wicked good at doing stocks. You liked it when Emilio would change your socks. We never hung out, and that makes me sad. 
all the good times we could have had. Nice rhyme. But when I die, Uncle Preston, you better say cheers. Because me and you are hanging at the pearly gates. I'll bring the beers. I'll bring the beers. He's good. So keep it simple. Keep your communication simple and sincere. And that's how God loves it. So how can we come boldly to that throne of grace? Well, the good news of Christianity and the good news of Jesus came to announce um, is, is what it's all about. And it's explained in Romans chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. Romans 3, 22 to 25 is the reason why we can come with boldness, okay? Because we, and that includes you, are made right with God by the placing of our faith in Jesus Christ. How you're made right with God, how you're received by God, how you come into relationship with God, how God helps you is not earned. You don't have to uh, be perfect. This is how you do it. Placing your faith in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to give you opportunity to do that today, to place your faith in Jesus Christ. And if you put your faith in him, believe him simply like a child, it says you will be made right with God. It says this is true for everyone who believes. If you believe, if you have faith, regardless of you're rich or poor, young or old, sane or insane, in the membrane, it doesn't matter. It's for everyone who has believed, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short. Everyone's messed up. Everyone's screwed up. Everyone has followed after their own uh, desires and their own life. They've gone uh, on their own way not given thanks to God or honored God or, or decided to try to do what pleases God, but everyone has basically followed the desires of their own emotions, their own feelings, their own senses. Everyone's been led and guided by their own senses and desires as opposed to God. We've all fallen short of God's standard. We're all in the same boat together, folks. There's not one better uh, person that's better off than the, the rest. We're all in the same boat. All have sinned. Yet God in his grace, there's that word, his kindness, his love, his undeserved favor, freely makes us right in his sight. Amazing. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. When did he free us? At the cross. When Jesus died and took our punishment on our behalf, if we have faith that Jesus died on the cross, it says you will be free. He took your place. He was your substitute. He took the punishment so that we could be free from our sins. If we could truly grasp that and comprehend that and understand that, we would be jumping for joy. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. A sacrifice is a substitute, is someone that goes and gives their life on behalf of another, and that's what Jesus did for you and I. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. So, this is the reason that we can come with boldness to the throne. You're coming to a throne of grace. It's not deserved, not a throne of judgment, okay? It doesn't depend on how good or bad you are. It depends on how good Jesus was. And how good was Jesus? He was perfect, flawless, sinless, spotless, the spotless lamb that lived perfectly for you and I and so that we could gain the merits of that, okay? You are coming to a throne of grace, based on Jesus' perfect goodness, his perfect obedience, his perfect purity. And if we view that as a coat or a cloak that he earned, he earned, if you like, this coat or this cloak of perfect um, obedience, 
perfect sacrifice, perfect surrender, perfect obedience to everything God ever desired or wanted. If Jesus earned that as a cloak, you know what he does with that cloak? He puts it around you. He gives it freely to you. And he says, here you go. Here, I've earned it for you. All you need to do is take it and receive it. Draw near, come. I want to give it to you as a free gift. What do you have to do to receive this perfect standing, this perfect, what we call righteousness, this perfect um, gift? You just have to have faith and believe. It's beautiful. That's grace. It's the power of the gospel um, and, and that he really wants to give this away. So what do we need to do? We need to repent and have faith. Repent, which become unpopular. It's become and it, uh, got all sorts of misunderstandings, which is understandable. But it simply means to change your mind. It just simply means to change the way that you think, which leads to a change of direction. To change the way that I think, that leads to a change of direction. And it includes what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. We're on 40 days of breakthrough, praying every day. It's important that you include this in your daily prayer, because Jesus taught it in Luke eleven four. Forgive us our sins. That's an important prayer to include in your daily prayer. If you think that you haven't sinned in the previous 24, just ask the Holy Spirit to show you and to take you on a film reel of your last 24 hours and just say, Holy Spirit, take me hour by hour through my last 24-hour period. Let me give thanks for the good times and show me where I have failed. Show me where I have let myself down and let you down and help me to ask for forgiveness for that moment and then ask me to ask for the grace and mercy to help me not to repeat that bad attitude or that bad, bad behavior, give me the grace to, the, 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 the power of your Holy Spirit to change, okay? Confess your weakness. He knows anyway. Confess where you've failed. Confess your selfishness. Man, I've got a long list to confess every day when I go through my 24 hours, okay? Confess your struggles, your bad attitudes, and ask for forgiveness. And it's important to confess and ask for forgiveness but also, I would say what's even more important to focus on Jesus than your failure. So, of course, focus on your failure, ask for forgiveness, but then not only ask for forgiveness, focus more on Jesus and what he has made you because of his death. And one way to do that, and this is what's called uh, doing what's called renewing your mind. And one way to renew your mind is with your tongue and with your heart. You renew your mind through your tongue what you speak and confess, and in your heart with what you believe. So we need to come back to saying, I need to know the truth, what do I believe, and then I need to speak it out. Here's one way of doing that, okay? I've written down an example of something that you can pray. And if you struggle to remember it, just read it. Just read it. Maybe read it for a month. Read it through the 40 days of breakthrough as part of your daily prayer, and then make it your own. Just you internalize it and it'll become a daily pattern, but it's important. So here's an example prayer on your sheet to renew your mind. After you've asked for forgiveness, you say things something like on your sheet, thank you, Father, for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross as my substitute. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood on the cross so I could be completely forgiven. Thank you that my sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. I thank you I have received the perfect gift of the cloak of righteousness from Jesus, and I thank you I am now in a right relationship with God. I thank you through Jesus, I am a new creation. I thank you there is no condemnation for me because my guilt has been removed. I reject all negative thoughts and feelings about myself, 
and guilt in my failures because my failures have been washed away. I thank you for your Holy Spirit of adoption that has made me a child of God. I thank you. See, if you're not believing this, you need to keep speaking it until you actually do believe it. Some of you are struggling to believe those words. That's where you need to keep saying, keep saying, keep speaking out, keep speaking out the truth, and eventually it will sink in. This is what you are. You actually are forgiven. You actually are a child of God. I thank you. I'm in your family that you have taken responsibility to look after me and care for all my needs. I thank you that you have given me the power of the Holy Spirit, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how I'm going to today. I thank you that I'm more than a conqueror, and the overwhelming victory is mine today through Jesus. Jesus Christ deserves an applause of praise for all he accomplished. Now, what, of, what is the result of that? The result is Hebrews 4.16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Here's the result. You're going to receive mercy, okay? And you will find grace. And what will that do? That's going to help you in your time of need. And that's what God wants. He wants to help you in your time of need. Now, we have a high priest who has mercy and grace to help in the nick of time. That's a literal translation, okay? In your time of need or in the nick of time. You have a great high priest who sympathizes with your weaknesses and he is there to help you in the nick of time. You think it's too late, but it's not. God can still help you in your situation. He wants to help you. His love is so great. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Now, here's a couple of old school quotes. It's not the kind of quotes you get in the Daily Record or the Sun or the um, or, or necessarily very frequently on social media. It's a bit old school from, from a time back. And so the English is particularly articulate, but the truths that it contains are great. So here's a couple of old school ones and before we move on, okay. So it's on your sheets. This is from A.J. Parry. He says, the boldness is the confidence inspired by a living, all-absorbing conviction of the deep and yearning sympathy of him who occupies the throne. He's saying the reason you can have boldness and, and confidence when you have a deep conviction of the sympathy, because that's what it says in it, he is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And that's why we can come boldly to the throne of grace, because we have a deep conviction that he has sympathy. He goes on, with an assurance, surely any shrinking hesitancy to come and seek is unreasonable and sinful. The word, the word rendered boldly here may equal, with equal propriety, be rendered joyfully. What he's saying there, you could actually say, let us come with confidence or let us come joyfully drawn near. Joyfully drawn near, okay? So we are right to seek mercy and grace with joy. The Christian man, and that includes women, should come with joy to, the, to draw the grace which is to quench his soul-consuming thirst and sustain the divine life quickened by the divine mercy in his soul. Okay, you need to chew over that a bit. Okay, it's, it's, these are old school quotes and they're, they're just so full of depth and, and richness that you need to chew over that. But basically, we are to come boldly to the throne of grace. And throne... Just a few thoughts about throne, and I'm going to finish with a quote. Throne speaks of majesty, royalty, and kingly authority. We're coming to a king 
who is also our Father. And we must hold these two in balance. Imagine your father was the king. You can still run and jump on his knee because he's your father. But he retains all the authority of the king. We come to a king who is wise and powerful. And he knows what is best for us. And sometimes that is yes. Sometimes that's not yet. And sometimes it's no. He will decide what is wise and right for our situation out of his goodness and love. But we must keep in mind we're coming to Father, but also our Father is the sovereign King of the universe. And coming to a throne of grace also reminds us of wealth and abundance, okay? Kings don't lack. They always have plenty. And our King owns the wealth of the universe, and we must remember that. When we're coming to the throne boldly, with confidence, joyfully, we're coming to a king who does not lack resources or power to help you, okay? But we must also, we're not only coming to a king who has wealth and abundance. You could come to a king who is wealthy and abundant, but who's stingy, and that wouldn't help us. But we're not coming to a king who is wealthy and abundant and stingy. We're coming to a king who is wealthy and abundant, and he, what's his character? He is good, generous, and kind, and he loves to bless. You put those two together as character and who he is, and you've got a powerful combination. And that's why this guy, Lindsay Alexander, says on your sheets, his generosity is as boundless as his wealth. That's phenomenal, even just that. His generosity is as boundless as his wealth. You're coming to a king who is wealthy and generous. Wow! That's why you can boldly and joyfully come to the throne of grace to find grace and help because he's generous and wealthy. So let us cultivate just views of God as at once a king and a father. Okay, let's keep those dual pictures of God, father and king, king and father, a king almighty and a glorious father full of compassion and tenderness. You've got on your sheets there, a couple of quotes by Charles Spurgeon, and uh, they're amazing. I'll, le- I'll let you read them in your own time, because I'm going to finish on this last uh, little story, okay? I've mentioned her before, and some of you will know Immaculate Elabagiza. She was born and raised in a small village in Rwanda, Africa, and it was while she was home from school in the Easter break of 94 that her life was ever transformed, because on April the 6th that year, the Rwandan president's plane was shot down over the city of Kigali. And the assassination of the Hutu president sparked months of massacres as Tutsi members, um, massacres of Tutsi tribe members throughout the country. Not even small rural communities like Immaculate's were spared from the house by house slaughtering of men, women, and children. And to protect his only daughter from rape and murder, her father told her to run to a local pastor's house for protection. He took her in, he sheltered her, and seven other women in a hidden three by four foot bathroom. And for 91 days, Immaculate and the other women huddled silently in this small room. And outside the genocide raged, outside the home and throughout the country. And I'm going to close with her words. We'll have the band back up, please. She eventually got out of that bathroom after 91 days and quickly discovered after discovering her friends and family and neighborhood had been slaughtered, she quickly discovered that she needed a job. 
and here's a few words about her prayer. I probably learned more about prayer and simple childlike faith from this woman than most other books I've read. So I'm going to finish on this. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give an opportunity. Okay, so here's just a few, a few thoughts from her. Uh, she said, God only knew where I would find a job in a city where people were afraid to walk the streets. Leftover landmines littered the streets of Kigali, but if I wanted to work, I had to pound the pavement. The buses weren't running, and I had no money for taxis. I asked Fari if he knew of any businesses within walking distance that had any job openings. Your options are pretty limited because nobody's hiring now, he replied. The only possibility is the United Nations, but the people they hire usually have to speak English. My mind snapped to attention. Of course, after all, the United Nations was the reason God had led me to study English in the bathroom in the first place. I even had a vision of working in a UN office. I washed my clothes especially thoroughly that night and prayed hard for God to help me find a job in the United Nations. This was impossible. I was so excited about finally putting my English to use that I stayed up most of the night looking in the mirror, practicing the phrases I taught myself while she was in the bathroom. Good morning to you. How do you do? I am looking for a job. My name is Immaculate Ilabagiza. I am Rwandan. I studied science at the University of Butier. I am looking for a job. Oh, how thrilling. I was speaking real English sentences, and tomorrow I'd have a real conversation in the new language. And by the end of the day, I could be working at my new job. Praise God. I was standing in front of the gate of the UN building at ATM Sharp. A Ghanaian guard greeted me warmly in what sounded like English. I'm sure he'd said something like, good morning, how can I help you? But what I heard was blah, 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 blah. I didn't have a clue what he was saying, but pretended I did. I held my head up, stuck out my chin, my chin out, and said, how do you do? My name is Immaculate Illibagiza. I am looking for a job. Ouch. The look in his eyes told me how ridiculous I must have sounded. Nevertheless, I tried again. I hadn't come this far to be turned away. How do you do? My name is Immaculate. I am looking for a job. Ah, you're Rwandan. You must speak French, he said. A smile nodded. He opened the gate, and another guard escorted me to a small waiting room where I filled out a lot of forms and was told to wait. So I waited and waited and waited and waited. And when the UN employee started to leave at the end of the day, I asked the receptionist how much longer I'd have to wait to get my job. You'll be waiting a long time, dear. There are no jobs. I went home disappointed but not discouraged. It was my destiny to work at the UN. I had envisioned it and was determined. If God wanted me to work there, nothing could stop me from reaching my goal. I returned the next day, filled out the same forms, and again waited all afternoon. I did the same thing the following day, and the day after that, and the day after that. I spent more than two weeks filling out forms and waiting. Every day the receptionist told me as I left, I wouldn't bother coming back if I were you, dear. There are no jobs. Many of us would have given up at that point. But she had learned to ask, seek and knock. By the end of the second week, I was getting discouraged. I dreaded going back to Aloysius without a job, so I wandered the battered streets of our Kigali neighborhood, feeling sorry for myself. I wanted to sit in quiet communication with God to focus my energies, but Aloysius house was too noisy for me to meditate. Believe it or not, I actually longed for the days in the pastor's bathroom. 
when I could talk to God for hours without interruption. I remember the joy and peace he filled my heart with during those long stretches of silent prayer, along with the mental clarity I enjoyed afterward. Two blocks from Aloisi's house, I walked into a shell of a burned out house, dropped to my knees on top of the charred rubble and broken glass and began to pray. Dear God, in the Bible, Peter was discouraged after fishing all night and catching nothing, but you told him to go fish again in the same spot and he caught so many fish, he was, he was so happy. Well, you guided me to the UN and I've been fishing for a job for days, but there are no fish here. God, I don't know what to do. I have no money. My clothes are falling apart and they won't give me a job. So I need your help. Let's make these UN people notice me and give me a good job. You know how badly I need it? Help me and I will help myself. Amen. She goes on in that chapter to tell about the miracles that start to happen. She needs a lift to get back and someone shows up and offers a lift. She shows up at her place where she used to stay and it was burned down and everything was gone apart from an envelope which had $30 in it. That was enough to get her a new suit. That was enough to get her um, uh, provisions till she went back the next day. And she goes on to tell of the, the amazing things. And then at the end here, see if I can find it. She gets uh, turned down again at the UN time after time after time, but she keeps on asking, keeps on seeking, keeps on knocking, and she's crying because she's so disappointed. She's in the UN building, and a guy walks past and offers her a job. And she says, before I knew it, I was working as a clerk, and soon I was responsible for tracking all UN supplies coming into Rwanda from abroad, from new jeeps to cargo containers of food. It was an important job, and I couldn't get over the fact that only a couple of months earlier, I'd been crouching in someone's tiny bathroom, not knowing if I'd live or die. I was living proof of the power of prayer and positive thinking, which really, all, which really are almost the same thing. God is the source of all positive energy, and prayer is the best way to tap into his power. God had brought me a long way from the bathroom, and he'd walked with me every step of the way, saving me from the killers, filling my heart with forgiveness, helping me to learn English, delivering me to safety, providing me with friendship, shelter, and food, and finally introducing me to Mr. Mehu and my dream job. No matter what I've been through in the past several months, God had never left my side. I'd never, um, I'd never been alone. Let's stand to our feet. You know... She was in that bathroom. Everything had went wrong. And for most of us, if the band could start playing, that would be it. Say, okay, I don't believe in you anymore, God. Or, you know, my life, her, her, she was in a bathroom. Her family were killed. Everything had gone wrong. But she had chose to ask God to help her to come into her life. And today I want to give you that opportunity with every eye closed. If you feel like immaculate in that bathroom and you have a need, come to your Father now. Simply put your trust in Him, what He did on the cross, and allow Him to come into your life. And everybody, repeat this prayer after me. If you want God to come in your life, if you want to come to Him right now, come to His presence and receive the grace and mercy you need for your time of need. You can do that right now. 
simply invite you. He did not plan for that pain. He did not plan for that suffering. He did not plan for your heartache. But he does offer to come in and to give you new life, to refresh you. You can come and receive him today. Everybody together, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. I come boldly with confidence to the throne of grace and I ask you for mercy, for your kindness, for your help in my time of need. Thank you for dying on the cross. Forgive me for all my sins and come into my life today and make me brand new. Refresh my life and turn me around and give me new life in Jesus' name. If anybody said that prayer for the first time today, God has heard your prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you and pull you down the front, but just put your hand nice and high between you and God. Anyone who said that prayer for the first time today, just put your hand. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anybody else? Two. Thank you. Wonderful. Lord Jesus, we pray for these people. You love them. They're so dear. They're your children. They're so precious. Lord Jesus, hear their cry. And may they find the, the mercy and your grace in their time of need. May you turn our life around and flood them with your love. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much. There's gold bags on that black table at the back. If you did say that prayer, grab a gold bag. It's got some instructions in there. Do come and say it. If you've got the confidence, come and say hello.